You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? So did you watch the uh, Golden Globes? Yes, I did. I did watch the Golden Globes. No, it's. I think it's funny, seeing as how we were like talking about it the day before about La La Land, <laughs> and how we both. I, th- I mean, I think we both decided that we enjoyed it, but not as much as everybody else, and didn't see why it was so popular. But then it went and, and like swept all of the fucking Golden Globes. <laughs> Yeah, the Golden Globes, I don't know, seemed really weird to me this year. Um, mostly because, I mean, not not that it's unusual for one particular film or whatever to clean up, but it just seemed like everything was like La La Land and then um, The Night Manager. Yeah, the night, which I have saved like, on my DVR kind of like, and I haven't watched yet. Did you hear me? Um, yeah, so uh, first off, let me... Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just gonna apologize to everybody listening. I've been a little bit under the weather, so like obviously I'm a little congested. So you might hear some like uh, trying to cover up me coughing and uh, sneezing and sniffling and stuff like that. So I apologize about that uh, up front. But yeah, so you you have the Night Manager DVR'd, but you haven't watched it yet. It, it's a Hulu show, is that correct, or am I mistaken? You're mistaken. That it was on AMC. I think it might have been a BBC import, and they also put it on. Uh... Uh, AMC, but you're thinking of uh, Chance, I think. No, yeah, Chance. Yeah, I did start watching that. That's also with Hugh Laurie, and he plays a uh, like, well, a neuropsychologist. Yes, neuropsychologist. Yeah, he... yeah, that's actually a really good show. Yeah, I watched the first two episodes of that. It's interesting. Didn't get into it, I take it? No, I mean, I just haven't had a chance to watch the rest of it. it the first two episodes were definitely interesting. Hmm. Yeah. No. I. I totally agree. I haven't. I haven't finished the the first season. I've only seen a, maybe three episodes, but what I've seen so far is pretty intriguing. But I. I gotta say, I was actually really interested in watching the Night Manager after uh, the Golden Globes aired because I really hadn't ever heard of it, and uh, sounds like it's got some pretty fantastic actors in it. And then, of course, you know, it it won some awards. I think uh, Atlanta was the other one that won a good number of awards too. I think it won like two or three. It won two. It won two, okay. Yeah, one two. Yeah, and... I, I don't know. Is it is it is it just me or or, or does it like I don't know? The Golden Globe seemed really short this year. I mean, but that's probably just me being weird. That might just be you being weird because it went over three hours. Yeah, so not that not that short. No, I mean it was. I don't know. It seemed weird. Was like how they would let some people go on like for a very long time for their uh, speeches, their acceptance speeches, and then some people would seem like they just cut them like really quick, like instantly. Yeah, I, I was gonna mention that too because it uh, it definitely seemed like they had kind of coordinated time links based on you know the importance of the category, if you will, uh, because a lot of the kind of bigger, more significant uh, speeches, you know, were for kind of the more prominent awards, I think. Um, Especially, like, Meryl Streep. It seemed like she was up there for, like, an hour and a half 
uh, talking when she <laughs> accepted was at the Cecil B. DeMille Award. Right. But that's like a, you know, that's like a lifetime achievement award. So it's not the same as the other awards. Sure. Like she wasn't up against anybody for it. So like I can understand them letting her go a little longer. Totally agree. She, I, I would say, if anything, she's you know, of course, just competing against uh, herself. But uh, but no, I know, I, I know what you mean. But yeah, I, I think it it did kind of happen. Uh, I was just trying to use that as an example, but potentially potentially not the best example. But no, yeah, like um, a good there example was, a, I think was a guy uh, that won uh, an award or something for music or something. He was up there for like two seconds, and then they started playing music, <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's remarkably quick yeah no like that's what I was, I was gonna say like tom hiddleston got up there and he won best supporting no was he support no he was actor he's best actor in a, a miniseries which was night manager and he got up there and he tried to tell his little story about you know going to uh the sudan and having to work with or uh, getting there to work getting to see the relief workers that are there and helping and he like he really wanted to thank them for the work that they did, but he ended up kind of telling the story about how mm-hmm. they the only the only thing that they could do while they were stuck inside their places because of the ongoing uh, you know tragedy there uh, was watch the night manager or something like that. So like it, his story went on for quite a while, like how my story is kind of going on for a while, quite a while right now. But then when <laughs> you had uh, like everybody from from uh, what was it the O.J. Simpson. Uh, thing yeah like they won that award uh, for i'm guessing best drama show or something and uh like they had almost no time it it did uh it did seem really brief when they were up there especially for the sheer amount of people who were on stage i think they it looked like from the kind of wide shot it looked like they were taking up the entire stage with all the uh, actors and producers and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know how they determine that or, or who, you know, and I think maybe some of them got cut down because they had a little bit of a, a delay at the beginning with the teleprompter and things like that going out. Oh, uh, that's Tom, true. Speaking of Tom Hiddleston, though, for a second, uh, going back to that, it, he must have just been unbelievably nervous because, like, he, I don't know if it was just me, but, like, I was trying to follow what he was saying and I was just like, I don't even, I don't even like, is, I, I really was like, at first I thought maybe he was on drugs or something. Cause I was like, is he like stoned right now? Cause like, this is really incoherent. Uh, but I think it was just nerves kind of, well, of getting the best of him. I would but say, I don't know. I would say it's, it's a combination of nerves and the fact that the golden globes, they've, they've advertised it this way for many years now is that it's one of the few awards that you get to like drink while the award ceremony is going on. So more than likely he had and like even i think jimmy fallon even says at the beginning of the show that day he said that the, everybody's in here been, been here drinking since four so like they they had already probably been drinking quite a bit and he i mean his his award wasn't in the beginning nor was it in the end it was kind of in the middle so he might have been pretty pretty loosey-goosey by that point urged up yeah yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a possibility, and I, I mean, I, I wouldn't put any of it past nerves either, because I, I know I would be tremendously nervous going up there and and having to talk in front of all those people and uh, the world, especially you know you're you're being humble uh, b- about basically beating 
you know, other people and, uh, you know, it's difficult. And, you know, of course you want to celebrate a little bit too for the achievement that, that you yourself have, have been given. And, you know, there's so many things on your mind, I'm sure of trying to remember that you have to thank the Hollywood foreign press. You've got to thank your producers, the studio, um, you know, all the cast, the crew. And I mean, a lot of times it, it impresses me because I always thought like, you know, I'm not that great at, at re recalling everyone's names. So it's just like, man, that's just terrifying to me to, to get up there and then try to remember everybody's name and say it exactly correctly and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I could see it being a, a bit of both for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I yeah, I would screw up a speech like that, too, or accept a speech. Do you? OK, so this is something that's always got me. What exactly is the Hollywood Foreign Press Association? No idea. Yeah, I, I mean, is it... I, I really have no idea. Is it literally what it says? Is it like the foreign press... Is it like the press from foreign countries that report on Hollywood? Like... Uh, maybe? I mean, I, you know, it, it's it's funny, but I, I never... And I guess I really probably should... But I never had any real motivation to look into that and see exactly what it was. And and, and that's probably not good. Maybe I really should uh, research what that is because that's a very interesting question. I understand. I understand the like the um, uh, the Academy Awards because that's the Academy for Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. Like that explains it to me, like what that means. But like, I don't I don't know. I don't know. It just seems weird that. It's a big award ceremony, the Golden Globes, but it's is it is it like you're literally I mean, I don't know I don't know. Is it it's the foreign press as opposed to our domestic press? I'm gonna just go out on a limb and, and say that yeah, I think it I think it might just be a you know, maybe it's an organization or I I, I imagine maybe they're if they're a journalist, they might even just be perhaps a non profit uh you know, journalist outlet of, you know, journalist and maybe photographers or reporters or anything like that, that has a vested interest in the, you know, Hollywood, you know, the U.S. Hollywood film industry or the U.S. industry of film, I guess. I don't, not really sure. I, I mean, I guess it could also perhaps extend to, you know, radio, broadcast, newspapers, uh, publications, television, anything like that, I guess, because, I mean, that's technically all press, so I, I'm going to, I don't know. I really, maybe we should look into that when we uh, do our podcast where we talk a little bit more about uh, film and the industry and tropes and yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, things like that. Maybe we could talk about what it, uh, what we have found out about that. So oh, here's another question. I don't know if you know it or not, but yeah. does, uh, you know how, I know with the Academy Awards and the Emmys, um, mm -hmm. Those are two different things, right? Yeah, because the Academy Awards are the the nickname yes. is the Oscars, right? Yeah, okay. They have the the other night yep. that they do awards where it's like the technical stuff that they don't televise. Do they do the same thing with uh, the Golden Globes? Uh, yeah, again, yeah, I, I really don't know. Um, it would seem that that could very well be a possibility, uh, especially you know just how big film has gotten too. I mean, there's there's so much i mean not only just film but even television now with all of the original content providers and how you know exclusive programming has just really blown up uh astronomically huge at this point 
it would seem very likely to me that there probably is a list of technical categories that uh, are probably not included in the televised, you know, uh, portion presentation of the Golden Globes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's that. That's just what I was wondering. I, I figured that's what it, that would have had to have been, but uh, I just you know didn't know. Well, it would it would be kind of fascinating to go back and and look into that to see exactly you know, what all categories they have. And if there is categories that are shown, you know, prior to uh, the actual airing of the, the televised part or, or even after it could be either or, but yeah, that, that's a very interesting question. Hmm. You know, it was another thing I thought was uh, interesting because uh, Ben Affleck was there earlier. Cause he introduced one of the, one of the movies that was up for best, comedy or best uh drama right didn't he if i remember correctly yeah he was with um oh who was he on stage he was on stage with two actresses oh that's right he was on stage with two actresses yeah i just don't remember who they were right now but uh, yeah. yeah so i i thought it was interesting that when Casey, his younger brother, won his Golden Globe, they never cut to him. Like he was—I don't know if he wasn't in the audience or if he just wasn't there or what. But you know, you would think that they would—he would have cut to him or something. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that he was only there to like present you know, the award. Present. So he—he he, yeah he so he probably wasn't seated out where they could actually see him. He's probably backstage. Um, or, you know, I, I, it's tough to say, I mean, he's got a really busy schedule right now too. So it's very possible that he showed up, did that and then left. I mean, it's a very big possibility as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, a, a very big possibility. And, oh, so Casey so in, Affleck. in speaking, oh, oh, go ahead. I was just saying Casey Affleck won for Manchester by the sea, which I haven't seen. Uh, I know you have, what did you think of that, that win? Yes. Uh, you know, I, I think it makes sense because, I mean, his performance in the film is, for me at least, the the hands down the best part of the movie. I I have to say, and I don't know what it was about, you know, the movies this year because it kind of seemed like this year more than any other year, uh, all the movies that everyone kind of really really enjoyed, I found myself not really connecting too well with. Um, and and Manchester by the Sea was was one of them. You know, I mean, I remember just seeing all these you know, critics just praising it up and down one side. And a lot of people that I personally know that had seen it were talking about it and were just very, you know, over overjoyed. Well, not joy, joy is definitely not a joyous movie, but they were, you know, very happy with the film and, and, you know, they had had a good experience with the movie. But for me, great of a, of a, of a film for me at least. And, uh, his performance though was good. I, I think a lot of the acting in it was good. Him and, uh, Michelle Williams, even though she's not, you know, in the movie a whole lot, I, I still thought she did a really good performance. And then the, you know, kid who plays his uh, nephew, I thought he also did a really good job, but uh, overall the way that I think some of the decisions that got made with the editing and, you know, some of the pacing of the film and things like that kind of, kind of detracted from the experience for me at least and uh it's just interesting because i felt this kind of the similar way with with la la land like we were talking about earlier but i i mean i would still i would still recommend you know watching it i would just say you know if you're gonna watch it maybe just watch it at home because it's it's a uh, much slower film 
and which I, I typically don't have a problem with if there's reasons f that I could foresee it being justified to be kind of a, a slower film. But with this, I, I couldn't. But I would say, you know, if you watch it at home, you'll be a lot more comfortable and perhaps that will be a you know better experience for you watching the movie. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to say, uh, adding on to that little bit that you uh, said earlier about uh, not liking the movies that a lot of the critics and other people you know uh, enjoyed this this kind of season. Um, I know you really enjoyed <laughs> Collateral Beauty, and yet that has yet to get any type of uh, recognition. Uh, I enjoyed Passengers. I know you, you enjoyed Passengers, and that's also not getting any recognition. Mm -hmm. And then last year, a lot of uh, I, I, I saw a lot of people put on their list uh, or not put on their list uh, the nice guys and and say that they didn't they didn't see why everybody seemed to like it. And I was like, I thought that was a good movie. No, I I completely agree with you. I thought the nice guys was hilarious. Um, and and again, yeah, Collateral Beauty I thought was a very touching film. And uh, you know, everyone in the audience that I recall seeing after the lights came up was pretty actively crying and, and being affected by the film and with passengers, you know, obviously there is some things that happen in it that are not based heavily on science. Um, but again, I think it's to me, you know, when I think of passengers, it reminds me more of kind of like a 1950s sci-fi comic strip or something like that. You know, it, it has kind of that older, uh, science fiction vibe to it where it wasn't so much based in actual science facts and it was a little bit more liberal you know a little bit more liberal with stretching you know the realities of science for entertainment purposes and it's really about the characters you know it's really about their relationship that they develop through you know this event that's happening to them and i was okay with that i i thought that you know it it made sense and i thought it was a good movie and i really enjoyed the chemistry between uh all three of the uh kind of main actors which would be um uh what jennifer lawrence uh chris pratt and then uh was that michael sheen is that the guy's name that played the yeah yes that's michael sheen that played the android or robot or however you want to call it but you also forgot yeah. lawrence fishburne Right. Well, my only thing with that is like he wasn't in it that much. Like he, he has kind of more of a cameo, if you will. I guess. No. See, I would in, in say that uh, the other dude, the guy at the end of the movie, has a cameo. Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, oh, he's Andy not Garcia? in it. Though. Andy Garcia. Thank you. Yeah, Andy Garcia has has a cameo. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne. Yes, his character is only there for, you know, a very frac fraction of the the movie, but. Uh, I, he's he's still important and he i don't know i i guess you're right you're, you're oh you're, yeah you're right. I, it is kind I of i wasn't trying to say it wasn't a, i wasn't trying to say it wasn't important yeah no i i agree i i, I was just saying like he he has kind of a a smaller part so i i was just kind of thinking of the main three that were predominantly in the movie but no you're right you're right Lawrence fishburne's yeah. in there and, and even his part you know it's brief but I, he still does a very good job and you know you feel uh, for his character and what he's going through. So yeah, no, I agree. You know what's sense. you know what's so funny is that I totally when you were you said the three actors, I those I mean those are the three I thought of. I didn't even think of Michael Sheen because I think of that character as a robot and not being somebody. 
Well, that's good, and that uh, means he did his job very, very well. Exactly, that's true. That, that means he did his job well. It's like it's like I wouldn't say, oh, well, you know, that lamp was in the movie too. No, because it's a robot. Ro- robots are things. <laughs> it's very. Yeah, and I, uh, the other one, I guess, I was uh, mentioned too is uh, I went and watched because uh, you know we had sat down with with Rafi and uh, we did. Uh, you know, kind of our top 10 of, of 2016, which would probably be the last uh, episode of this that you would have listened to before this one. And uh, he was talking about uh, nocturnal animals. And I think that was one that you and I had both mentioned that we wanted to see and we hadn't seen it yet. And um, he really enjoyed it and kind of recommended that we watch it. So I went and watched it. And uh, yeah, I, I got to say, I actually really enjoyed that too. But I, again, I think it's kind of going against the the grain of what most... Uh, people were were enjoying this year for cinema at least because um, I didn't really hear too many people talk about it and the few people outside of of the three people that I just mentioned I, I really haven't heard anybody that was super um, you know connected to it and, and enjoyed it a lot and and I thought that was a shame because I really thought it was a very uh, strong and powerful movie and I think it has some uh, remarkably wonderful social commentaries about you know life and and kind of what's going on with you know uh, humans and and things like that and uh i really enjoyed it i and I'm, i again i think it just goes to show that you know you just have to kind of go and watch movies and really um form your own opinions on them you know uh, versus just listening to the critics because i think there's a lot of movies that are getting more and more uh negatively impacted by uh critics and and things like rotten tomatoes and i you know like Collateral Beauty probably is one of them, and I think that's unfortunate because I think it is a really uh, good movie, and I I feel like the performances in it were were on par with what they should have been for the content of the film. So I don't know; it's it's interesting. Well, I was gonna say, you did know, you have any other movies this year like that? Uh, you know, nothing n- nothing that I can think off the top of my head. Uh, I was gonna say that um, Aaron Taylor Johnson did win uh, Best Supporting Actor for a Drama mm-hmm. in. Uh, uh in nocturnal animals so they i think they were all was was amy yeah, adams for, also the golden globes. yeah the golden globes did i say oscars uh yeah i what no 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 i you, you didn't say i was just pointing that out uh oh. so people would know that we were talking about the golden Globes still with that but no um I, I believe amy adams was nominated for a golden globe but i mean was she nominated I, I for nocturnal remember. animals well, I was to say, I don't Arrival. recall if it was for that or for Arrival. I, I really don't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. Office of my head. Yeah. But I but she does she does great in both movies. And and you know, it's interesting because she is kind of like a this actress that she's very chameleon-esque in a sense, uh, in terms of I don't when I sit down and I think of like and this is all my fault and this is all on me and my bad. And and I take full credit for that. But whenever I sit down to think of like, you know, really great actors and actresses, uh, she's never one that comes into my mind first, but like I sit there and I think about it and I'm like that, which is crazy because she's done a lot of really good roles. She's been in a lot of really diverse uh, films and, you know, I think she's been nominated for quite a few awards at this point too. And but for some reason, you. like I just, Oh, what's that? Oh, I said, and won a few. You cut out. She's she has won a few awards also. Oh yes, yeah. Um, and I think it's you know it's just I'm not sure what it is, but for some reason she's just never 
one that comes to the forefront of of my mind when I think of of that thing. And I and I don't know why that is. Do you have that happen at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I I've always thought, or I guess at least maybe came to the realization uh, recently that you know it's it's interesting how many different roles that she has and how many different uh, ways she goes and 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 for a Hollywood actress, how many movies she actually does in a year. Cause I mean, I think, I think more often than not, and it's just the way that, uh, movies are right now, which is unfortunate that, you know, uh, the more dramatic roles always go to males. So, uh, it's, or, or roles are written for males and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's not often that she, that, uh, an actress gets a lot of roles, uh, in a row. But she does. She, I mean, obviously, Arrival and, and Nocturnal Animals came out within what months of each other. Um, I, but she, she's. You're right. She's a chameleon, and it's, it's. She's, she is a really good actress. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it's just crazy because I mean, like, in I don't know, maybe like four or five movies in 2013. Um, I know she did at least what three last year i mean she did you know she was lois lane in batman versus superman and you know like you said she was an arrival and nocturnal animals so yeah i mean that's she's keeping pretty busy yeah but i just i just i don't know i just wasn't sure why i never really thought of her as as kind of a a bigger or more of a front runner on my on my list of performers i don't i don't know why that is strange that's just just the way our our brains work i guess uh one of the things I did yeah. find interesting was, um, have you have you watched the movie Lion? Because I haven't. No, I haven't either. I didn't even know what it was about until the the night of the Golden Globes. So I had known about it, but I hadn't obviously hadn't seen it. Now, what I found interesting was that Nicole Kidman was nominated for that movie, but for Best Supporting Actress. And then De- De- Dev Patel was also nominated for that movie, but also for Best Supporting Actor. And I thought those were the two actors in that movie, so I didn't understand who the lead was. The lead is the little boy. He's ah. the main protagonist of the film. See, I didn't know that. I, yeah, so, I, thought, it, I thought it was yeah. Dev Patel. No, yeah, from what I understand. And again... I did not know anything. And this is, again, just to show how, how busy of a year uh, I had that, you know, my movie uh, knowledge kind of declined uh, in terms of what, what was uh, coming out and what wasn't. But yeah, from what I understand of it, the younger boy is kind of the main character. And he, I think, is taking a train ride and gets left on the train by his real parents. And then uh, Dave Patel, I believe, kind of uh, befriends him for a, a period of time, and then he ends up getting taken in by uh, I think Nicole Kidman and her husband. No, I think so, I think Dev Patel know. and the little boy are the same guy. Are they? Yeah, the little boy gets left on the train, and then he gets adopted by Nick, Nicole Kidman, and then grows mm-hmm. up to become Dev Patel, who then goes to find out go, goes to find his mother who that left him on the train. Well, there you go. That shows the difference of, of looking at marketing. Because um, <laughs> when I saw the trailer for it, I would have never got that out of that since there's a scene of the two of them together, like, dancing around. So, But, I mean, that, that certainly doesn't mean that they aren't the same person. Right. And I, yeah, I think that's what that, that's case. supposed to, like, a dream state or something. I don't know. I, I could be completely off, too. So, 
but you might not be <laughs> you might be completely accurate I, i'm not sure like i said i i really didn't know anything about it and i i you know i need to go watch it i, I need to go watch uh, that and i really wanted to watch moonlight and you know some other ones too and uh, fences that was another one i wanted to watch yeah I and i heard figures I heard good things about all of those yeah yeah i've heard did, so did you are you gonna try oh sorry go ahead no that's all i said i just agreed with you yes are you so are you so we should be getting the oscar nominations coming out pretty quickly here are you gonna sit down and try to watch all the best picture nominees i'm gonna try to do you think deadpool has a chance of being nominated no not at all but i was completely surprised that they were <laughs> he was not it was nominated for a, a golden globe so I that, I wanted to bring that up next. I thought that was uh, probably the biggest thing for us uh, in particular uh, about the Golden Globes that Deadpool, a comic book movie, is was nominated for best uh, comedy or musical. But you know that's the 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 categories that they have. It's either comedy or musical or it's a drama. Yeah, which is funny. I but I also thought it was really funny. We're sitting right next to each other, uh, especially since, you know, the the Deadpool Spider-Man team up comic is all the rage uh, right about now. Yes. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty awesome. And and I thought it was kind of funny that they were like making out when Ryan Gosling went up to accept the award, uh, of course, for La La Land. So I thought that was pretty funny. But I agree. I think it's interesting that it got nominated. I think that's pretty incredible, actually, considering it's an R-rated uh, comedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I, I, I don't know if you happen to see it or catch clips of it afterwards, but um, when Andrew Garfield was on Jimmy Kimmel, like I think the next night, they asked him about the fact that he uh, kissed Ryan Reynolds, and he said he wanted to assure Ryan Reynolds that he still loved him, even though Ryan Gosling won instead. <laughs> nice. And That's you know, awesome. you know what's so funny was when uh, I, I don't remember who it was that was presenting that award, but. She, I know it was, I remember it was a lady and she uh, says Ryan and she had a really long pause before she said Goslin. And I was like, Oh my God, Ryan Reynolds is about to win for Deadpool. And it didn't happen. And I was like, Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I, I, I almost wondered if they, you know, didn't make her do that on purpose just to build suspense. They're like, okay, so we've got two Ryan's nominated this year. So what you're going to do is you're going to say Ryan and then you're going to wait like five beats and then you're hey Gosling, you know, like pretty hilarious, but, and, and, you know, it kind of makes you wonder what's going on in their heads. Cause you know, Ryan Gosling's got to be sitting there going, no effing way did I just lose this award to Deadpool. And, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds kind of has to be sitting there going, no effing way did I just win this award for Deadpool. Like, <laughs> would they really ever allow that to happen? And uh, the answer was unfortunately no. no. But, you know, for a brief moment there, there was a lot of us that, that thought maybe, maybe. Yeah. I liked I liked the beginning but of his, his acceptance speech too. He was like, Ryan uh, Reynolds, I, I, you know, this isn't the first time I've been mistaken for you. So this award might actually be going to you kind of thing. I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. Uh, so, but then I guess a lot of people kind of took, uh, but, Ryan Gosling. Oh, sorry. But didn't, 
didn't Meryl Streep also, when she went up to do hers, didn't she call him? And I might be wrong, but he's not Canadian, right? No, they're both Canadian. Both Ryans are Canadian. Oh, they are both Canadian. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. So I thought she was making another joke about confusing him for being Ryan Reynolds. And I was like, oh, well played, Meryl. But then I was like, <laughs> well, maybe he is from Canada too, but I, didn't, I wasn't sure. Yeah. No, yeah. They're both Canadian. They're both Ryan. They're both considered heart heartthrobs. So it... I guess <laughs> those hearty Ryan's. You know, you know what I want to say is that I think Ryan Gosling does a great job of that whole do one movie for you and one movie for them kind of thing. Yes, it it, it definitely seems as if he has found the balance between doing you know a, a big as Kevin Smith re- refers to it as a big nugget movie and then a small for you nugget movie yes so yeah that is pretty and like pretty interesting la la land would be his movie because i mean from the sounds of it they were all very passionate about doing that movie and then probably blade runner 2049 is going to be the big movie you know the studio movie that you do to, to get that big nugget yeah i i would say that's probably true i i would hope that you know he would also and i'm sure he is but you know to me it would be incredible if if a studio came and said hey do you do you want to work on a a new blade runner movie i would be like um well on one hand i'm very nervous about that because it's an incredibly uh, well-known classic Uh, but on the other hand it's it's the same thing like how do you pass up an opportunity to work on something that's iconic and that has potentially been you know part of your life uh, since you've been growing up i mean that's got to be crazy no, yeah, you're right. I mean, I I understand that, yeah, and it has quite the legacy, but, I mean, that one obviously has a big studio behind it, and they're going to be putting a lot of money into it. Yes. Or, yeah, whereas, yes, absolutely. You know, La La Land or Drive or, uh, I don't know, the the Place Beyond the Ponds, my, uh, Pines might not be. Oh, my God, forgives. <sighs> oh, my God, what? I said only God forgives. Oh, that was only another God movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, with Refn, it's probably a little bit more independent. I would speculate. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it, yeah, yeah, I'd have to say that uh, that he and then he goes and does movies like Gaunt, uh, Gangster Squad, which I really enjoyed. It's not the greatest of movies, but you know, I enjoyed it. Which is part of now the trilogy of Goslin and Emma Stone movies. To put, you know, it's Gangster Squad, Crazy Stupid Love, and now La La Land, like. I don't know. Did they just find a couple that, or I mean, obviously they're not a couple in real life, but like, did they find you know a duo that just works out well? Yeah, I mean, probably. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of that in in the industry is you know who you know and who knows you, and you know it's not uncommon to see uh, like there there was a movie I was watching the other day that um, oh, what's his name? Oh, I'm so. I feel bad about forgetting. He plays Jim on The Office. I can't remember what his name is. Oh, right John now. Krasinski. Um, yes, John Krasinski. Yes, he directed a movie, and uh, or oh, he—I don't know if he, no, he didn't direct it, but he was in a movie, and there was like a couple of other people from The Office that were in the movie as well. And it's like, well, yeah, we know why they're in there. They're there because he was like, hey, I have some friends that could come and do these roles, and I think that's the same thing that probably happens with you know Emma Stone and and Ryan Gosling is. You know, there's people that are watching these other movies and are like, wow, they have really good chemistry together. And, you know, that's a, a pretty good shoe in. Um, 
and I mean, I'm sure to an extent they also probably recommend working with each other and stuff too. You know, if they've been on a couple of movies together and they enjoy working with each other, like, you know, why not? It's a good way to get paid and to be able to see, you know, people you like hanging out with for 12 to 18 hours a day, which, you know, is, is difficult. So you definitely want to be around people that you enjoy being around because uh, you're going to be doing it a lot. So I think that very well could be what happened. Do you remember what movie it was? Because if it was The Hollers, then that is a movie that he also directed as well as starred in. Uh, I don't think it was that one. I did watch that too, but that was with him and... Uh, Anna Kendrick. Charlotte Copley and Anna oh, yeah. Kendrick. Yeah. Uh, and that was a, it was a really good movie. Uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that one. It was one he did when he was... I, I misspoke. He didn't direct it. I think he just acted it. But it was one he did when he was still working on The Office. And it was just interesting to see, you know, these other people from The Office being there. I think it was, uh, was it licensed the, the actor wed? that plays Kevin. And what's that? Was it licensed to wed with him and Manny Moore? And they're going to get married. And Robin Williams is the priest. And yeah, the guy yes, who plays Kevin. Yes, it was. It? Yep. <laughs> that, that it was. It absolutely was that movie. You were correct. And then the, the lady that plays Angela is, is she works as a, one of the jewelry store attendants or yeah. salespeople. And, so, so you just saw the really hollers? interesting. So you saw What's that? you saw the hollers. I did, yeah, I did watch the hollers. Yes, I didn't get to see that. I wanted to. It, it's it's good. It's a really good movie, actually. I, I enjoyed it very much. And again, um, I think the all the actors had really good chemistry together. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, watching uh, Charlotte Copley. I think he's a, a, a wonderful actor and anytime I get to see him kind of do something slightly different than what he, you know, normally does, I enjoy it greatly. And he plays John Krasinski's brother in the film and, you know, him and his, his dad kind of have a weird relationship. And so, you know, John Krasinski's always kind of the, the middleman kind of working on fixing their relationship. And, you know, there's some other interesting things that happen with, you know, him and Anna Kendricks and the relationship between all of them and their mom and things like that. And, and yeah, it's, it's a pretty good little uh, dramatic comedy, um, but it's, it was good. I enjoyed it. Did you, so speaking of Charlton Copley, have you mm-hmm. gotten a chance? I know because when we talked about it before, maybe about a year ago, you hadn't seen Open Grave. Have you seen that yet? You know, I, I I haven't, and I'm really bitter about it because I I really really want to watch it, and I just have not gotten the opportunity to check it out. Have you seen it? Yes, I have, and I've I've actually gone back and rewatched it because I enjoyed it so much uh, recently. So I, that's why I was just bringing it up to see maybe if you had seen it, and we could talk about it a little bit. But yeah, you definitely have to check that out because we'll have to talk about it sometime. Yeah, maybe I can. Uh watch it soon and we can re-venture it uh, into that category here i really don't even know a whole lot of what it's about i think it's just he kind of wakes up in like uh he kind of wakes up in like the the woods or something right and there's well, like a he, bunch of dead bodies well he literally wakes up in a, in a giant mass grave and there's a bunch of dead bodies around him Jeez. but uh yeah it's that's, kind that's of a, a horrible way to wake it's up. kind of a i don't want to say reimagining but a more of a a different take on the zombie film I guess so. Okay. So it's yeah, it's it's interesting, and it, I I enjoy it. So yeah, I'd love to hear what your thoughts on it sometime. Um, uh, was there? Yeah, any, I definitely want to check it out. Was there any other big surprises for you at the during the Golden Globes? 
I don't think there was really any surprises for me, to be honest. I, I, it was weird because I, I really went into this year without really any expectations or, you know, I didn't really have a, a dog in the race, so to speak, this year, you know, which is maybe a weird way of putting that. But I, I really, I kind of already figured that La La Land was going to take a bunch of awards just because of all the the critical feedback that had been going around and, you know, very early on from when that film was kind of making the circuit of, of promotional things. It was already being touted as a front runner for best picture, which surprised me in, in some ways. And then when I saw the movie, I think it surprised me even more. Um, but, you know, as, as someone pointed out to me, you know, there's a lot of films in the past that have won best picture have been very, uh, focused on, you know, the film industry and like an insider's perspective of, of that and, uh, or just entertainment in general, the entertainment industry in general. And so, you know, Hollywood does love movies about Hollywood and, you know, that's certainly not going to be the only reason that it is considered and wins, but, um, it does kind of make you wonder if that maybe doesn't have some degree of, of, bias because it makes it more relatable to all those people that are very closely involved to or with the um industry you know what i mean if yeah that yeah. makes any sense no i i get what you're saying yeah the the i guess maybe the people that make up the hollywood foreign press you know kind of are part of the industry so then a movie that's about the industry kind of speaks to them a little bit more so uh yeah i get that and i and i have to wonder that that probably helps with the whole campaigning idea that usually you hear mm-hmm. things about uh with uh awards season and stuff like that even viola davis in part of her acceptance speech uh that she accepted uh i forget was it for uh i don't remember which movie it was that she won for do you remember i i forgot um was oh, it fences? fences? Yeah, it was, was fences. Yeah. yeah, it she was fences. fences. Yeah. So it's just because we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, exactly. So uh, she even said, you know, I did exactly what Denzel told me. I went to the luncheon. I did the press for it. You know, I did. Uh, I went to. Uh, I did this and that. And you. you and he, I believe he did this. He said the exact same thing last year uh, when he won for something, uh, saying, you know, I did the. I did the work. I did the press. I did the the luncheons. I did the the campaigning and stuff. So. I, you have to wonder that, you know, maybe it helps a little in the campaigning department to win the award if your movie is about the industry because it's kind of still involving the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think even with the academies, it's it's still a similar situation because, you know, that's a peer of people related to the film industry that are voting on, on the best picture. And so, you know, I think it makes sense. Um and I mean, you know, there is some very impressive things that that go on within La La Land. Like, I don't want to try to detract from it at all. Oh no, but no. It, you know, like that opening sequence. I, I I remember watching and and seeing it and being like, hmm. Well, that's got to be insanely difficult to actually film this huge musical number on a highway that's you know closed down with traffic and there's this dance number and it looks like it's all shot you know kind of how they did Birdman where it's one continuous take with these you know hidden edits and and you know that's that is difficult and there's a number of times that they do that within the movie and 
you know, on top of that, it's also very much kind of a throwback to the old, you know, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers uh, type of, of filmmaking, which a lot of people still remember and love. And, you know, I think it, I think it kind of hits on those nostalgia chords a little bit there too, which I think will help it as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could totally see it being there. I just personally, for whatever reason, and, you know, I don't know, maybe I need to go back and watch it a, another time or two to, to see if I change my mind, but I just, I just didn't connect with it. And it, it would, it would kind of surprise me. And, and again, I guess to be fair, I haven't seen what else nominated for best picture and, I probably haven't as of this moment watched everything that's going to be nominated for best picture yet. But I mean, you know, I remember hearing about fences being, you know, kind of a, considered as a front runner and then birth of a nation. And then there was the whole uh, thing that came out about the, you know, um, some unfortunate events that had happened in the director's past that were now coming back up and, and kind of potentially plaguing that film from going forward within the, uh, awards and you know lo and behold it it certainly wasn't mentioned at all during the golden globe so now it's like well that was touted pretty heavily as being a front runner for best picture and you know now it's kind of being swept under the rug will that be the case with the oscars i don't know yet but it's going to be interesting to see what they do no yeah you're right yeah i remember hearing a lot about birth of a nation and then yes the controversy of the uh, the director's past coming up again um which you know kind of brings me to the, uh, one of the things that I thought was uh, a surprise, not because I didn't think the movie was any good, because I hadn't seen it yet, but uh, Moonlight winning its award for best uh, dramatic picture, and I just the only reason why it was a surprise to me is because they had been nominated quite a bit throughout the night, and they hadn't won any of the stuff that they were nominated for, and then eventually, and then they won that. So I was I was surprised. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I hadn't really heard too much about that film either and uh, really haven't even to this point seen a lot of, of promotional advertisement or anything. So when they got to that, I was kind of thinking that Fences would potentially be kind of more of the, the favored in terms of odds to win. So yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised by that too. But but from what I've heard, it's a great film and, and totally deserving of the award. And you know, it's interesting too because now that in a sense, you know, the Golden Globes and things like that have kind of been a sort of litmus test, if you will, for what's going to win, you know, at the Oscars. So now it's like, well, does that automatically make Moonlight the front runner for the Best Picture Award? I don't know. Um, we'll have to find out. I, I mean, I think it, it has been that way in the past, like you said, a litmus, a litmus test. But I think that in the last couple years they they had kind of uh diverged uh from each other hadn't they i don't know um it, it certainly is a possibility um i haven't really heard too much about that but it, it very well could be yeah uh yeah so I, I don't know if there was anything else about the the golden globes that you really wanted to speak to or talk about no i, I don't i don't think so i think we you know Covered a good amount covered of it. Kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a broad stroke, but I think we covered a pretty decent amount of it, yeah. So uh, one thing I know I did want to talk about with you going into this week's uh, podcast was uh, news dropping last week about Eternal Darkness. <laughs> 
which okay. uh, I know that you know that I was a huge fan of that video game. Uh, I don't remember exactly if you had played it or if you knew too much about it. I know you knew about it because we talked about it a I, bunch. Yes, I I had read a, a quite a bit about it, but uh, if I remember correctly, that was a, came out on the GameCube. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and I never played it because I the last Nintendo console that I owned was, I believe, the Nintendo 64. Um, and then I kind of I got away from Nintendo a little bit and more into, you know, PlayStation and Xbox and things like that. But, but I do remember uh, quite a bit about this game, and I remember hearing a lot of people talk about it in terms of, you know, how creepy it was and a lot of the things they did to kind of mess with people that were playing the game. And uh, I remember having many of many conversations with you about, you know, potential sequels and how they should, you know, move forward. And then there was a not too long ago, if I recall correctly, there was a like crowdfunding campaign to uh, make a sequel to Eternal Darkness. And then that kind of fell through. And now, yeah, it seems like we might be getting close to an actual reboot or a sequel to it from what I've kind of been hearing. Yeah, so like I guess uh, last year or the end of before the end of last year, um, uh, Nintendo went and and trademarked the name uh, Eternal Darkness again or renewed the trademark. I guess they did the same thing in 2010 and mm-hmm. 2013, though. So just so uh, you know, you don't get to we don't get too ahead of ourselves. But a lot of the speculation, sure, I guess, is that they did it this time and that there might be an announcement during the Switch conference that's going to be happening tonight. Uh, that you know something yep. might be happening with that property again, which I would be uh, really into. I mean, if they did that. Uh, and I mean, it meant that I had to buy a Switch system, whatever the hell that is going to be, or the the newest uh, Nintendo system. I might end <laughs> up doing that, which is which is crazy. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I've, I've had a number of uh, people kind of ask me, you know, where I was at with the Nintendo Switch, and uh, you know, I I don't know. I I've lost. Um, interest I've, I've not not uh, yeah i mean i guess that's a good way of putting it i was gonna say i've lost a bit of faith in nintendo to provide me with the gaming experience that i am looking for um however with that being said you know i i watched uh, i think it was kind of like the reveal uh thing that they put out and i just remember seeing it and it it, it didn't really look like a finished product to me it looked very much like a rough prototype um and, and the one thing that did catch my attention, though, was what they've been showing off for the new open world Zelda game. Uh, that looks pretty intriguing to me. Now, is that going to be enough to make me go out and buy a console? I don't think so. Uh, however, if they do, you know, also pick up Eternal Darkness and they can bring some of these intellectual properties and and really kind of revitalize them maybe yes uh but the problem is is at this point at least this is just my interpretation or or opinion on it but i think at this point sony has got a remarkably large hill to climb um because a lot of people at this point have already made their their you know gaming purchases they've already bought into the ps4 or the xbox one 
Uh, and not only that, but then, you know, Nintendo also, or Sony also then jumped to the line and came out with the, you know, 4K version of the PS4 Pro. And then you've got the Xbox Scorpio, which has uh, a tremendous amount of, of hardware coming, uh, you know, improvements coming with it. And so, I mean, Nintendo's got a pretty big mountain to climb here because in essence, what, they, what they've done is they tried to corner a, a portion of the market, which was aimed a little bit more at youth or gamer mark or uh, younger gamers, I should say. And I feel like they have lost a, a lot of ground even in that area lately. So I think whatever they end up doing with the Switch, it's going to have to be something truly, truly remarkable to start getting people to buy their consoles in in mass numbers again. Because the Wii and the Wii U uh, didn't, from what I recall, at least do very well in terms of, of sales and things like that. And, and I really don't even recall that many people ever being like, hey, I got the new Wii, like, let's check it out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just, it's interesting. And I'm, I'm curious to see where they go with it. Yeah, you know, I always thought that Nintendo might be better off at this point doing the same thing that Sega did. You, you know years ago and just doing only uh only games anymore or only software instead of doing uh systems and hardware you know still because uh, it seems yeah. like they, they are constantly just playing catch up and you know trying to figure out what to do and changing it up and stuff like that as opposed to people still like the games people love to play like smash brothers and uh you know uh, zelda games and stuff like that uh but I'm I'm thinking that the same thing that maybe the system is not the one is not the thing that's driving them to go get Nintendo stuff anymore. No, it's very true, and I and I think even in some respects they've they've lost a little ground uh, with even their intellectual properties because I mean, you know, you've been writing Mario for gosh I don't know twenty five thirty years now at this point. No, I think um, you need to go further back with, than that. Yeah. I think we're talking. Is about, it? I don't know. Whatever I, it is. Yeah, mid '80s, right? So you're, we're almost at we're at what fifty years or forty years? Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like 30, 40 years, somewhere in in that ballpark. I mean, it's it's a while, and you know, I mean, there's been a lot of other games, you know, and it's like Mario Kart and things like that, and it's like, well, there's been a lot of other games that have come out that have, I think, also started winning. Uh, some of that affection away from them. And so I think even with those, I mean, like with Zelda, prime example, not that it's necessarily a, a direct competitor, but I feel like it is, is is like you look at the Elder Scrolls games, you know what I mean? Um, a lot of people that grew up playing Zelda are now adults and, you know, they're looking for a little bit more uh, of an adult-based content and you can have these huge exploratory things that are set relatively similar in in the fantasy realm and you know i i feel like that there's so many different games and and genres now that you know they're gonna have to really in my opinion at least start stepping up and delivering something that's or actually at this point probably even better than what everyone else is doing and i, I just i don't know that the switch is really going to be that. And I say that blindly and I, and I understand that. And I'm just going based off of, you know, things that they've done recently and, and in the not too far back past. And I just, I don't, I don't know if it is going to be enough for them to continue to keep manufacturing their own hardware. And I think you might be right. It might be time for them to just call it a day uh, with the hardware and, they might even find that they make more money by 
going open platform and allowing their games to be on, you know, PC and, and PS4 and Xbox One. And, you know, they've already ventured into the mobile market with Mario Run, uh, which checked it out. And again, I, I wasn't really impressed with what they were doing. It, it's you know, kind of the same as, as every other mobile game. And, and, you know, mobile gaming in and of itself, there's so many different issues that I have with that. And, you know, is, uh, but I just would have expected, I guess, a little bit more from, from them. And, and, you know, that's again on me and my bad for having uh, perhaps unrealistic expectations, but I think that a lot of people are in the same boat and I think they're going to have a really interesting, um, you know, struggle ahead of them to kind of combat that. Yeah, no, I think I'm in the same boat. So, because I mean, if you were to, like, I love the Zelda franchise, but I think the last one I played was Wind Waker because I didn't, I didn't buy a Wii and I didn't buy a Wii U, so I didn't play Twilight Princess or mm-hmm. uh, what was the one Wind Waker. No, I bought, I, bought, I bought Wind Waker, but there was Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword. I didn't buy either one of those. Oh, there you go. And uh, now the new one that's going to be yeah. coming out is what, Breath of the Wild or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I probably no, won't, I, won't get to I, play I, that either. If, if, if they were to put it out on Steam or on, uh, you know, the PS4 or the Xbox One, but I don't have an Xbox One either, but... Uh, you know, if it were to be on one of those systems, I probably would buy it and play the hell out of it. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I, I mean, I didn't own a I didn't own a GameCube, a Wii U, or a Wii. So I mean, I haven't played Zelda since uh, a good while back. So but free enough uh, time. Yeah, and I mean, I've always been interested in it. And you know, for me, and I get it, I get what it is. But I think also for me, like my taste in games has kind of changed, and I've I've always wanted a little bit more. Um, of a Zelda game that was a little bit more geared and aimed towards, you know, adults. Which is what... And I understand why, why which, they don't, but... Which is like what Skyrim know. is. Yes. Uh, it It is. It, it, it is and it isn't. You know, like, I, I say that, you know, because it's in the, in the fantasy realm, but there is something truly different and unique about the world that they crafted with, with Zelda, but again, it, it comes back to the same thing. Is that enough to move hardware sales? Like, because at this point, I'm I'm not ever going to buy a console just because a Mario game's on it. And again, that's just me. Uh, are there people that that maybe do that? Sure, I'm sure, I'm sure there are some, but... Well, I'm, I just I just got done saying that I would buy one if Eternal Darkness 2 comes out. No, no, yeah, there are <laughs> games. There absolutely are games that that will make or break a, a console. Absolutely. Um, I just don't know if at this point in time, if you can still rely on, you know, Mario to do that because it doesn't seem like you can because that's kind of again, looking back at the Wii and the Wii U, um, and it, you know, if that was really enough by itself to push hardware sales, then I don't think that they would have had, you know, and, and maybe that's not fair. I think that we actually sold pretty decently, but I think that had more to do with just the, the cheap, uh, entry point of it. Uh, cause I really don't recall ever hearing too many people be super excited about it or, or actually playing it. Uh, but with like the Wii U, I mean, again like you're you're talking about these franchises that 
they, there's a definite affinity for, but I just don't know if they're strong enough anymore to sell entire consoles, especially if the switch comes out and the switch is at a uh, competing price point between the Xbox and the PS4. If it's in that same target demograph uh, of pricing, I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen. Yeah, and I, I hope that, you know, maybe we'll get some of those um, answers in the Switch conference that should be happening in a few hours. Um, what are, you know, what are a few games that you're actually really excited about for this for 2017, though? Yeah, so I think, it, you know, it's funny because I, I really haven't looked a whole lot ahead as to w- what's coming out, uh, but... Um, kind of the ones that I'm looking forward to that I know of is next month in February, we're getting uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which looks incredible. It's a uh, robot dinosaurs. Mo- yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like fighting robot dinosaurs, which looks really cool. Um, and then I believe in March, uh, and I could be mistaken, but I believe in March, we're supposed to be getting the new Ghost Recon uh, into the Wildlands or into the Badlands, whatever it's called. Uh, and that looks good from the standpoint of cooperative multiplayer. I'm still a little wishy-washy on things that I've seen, um, you know, in terms of the the graphics and things like that. But it's also hard to tell because a lot of the footage that we're seeing is, you know, of course, compressed because of the Internet. And then it's like alpha footage and... Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out. And, you know, it's, it's funny too, because Tom Clancy games have, have typically kind of been a little bit more grounded in, in reality. And then that was kind of some of the complaints with like the division is that that wasn't the case anymore. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily agree with any of, of, of those arguments, but there's something in what I've seen in the videos for the new ghost recon that worries me. And it's with the, the guns and, and it's, it's difficult like watching it a video versus how it actually plays out when you're, you know, actively involved with a controller, but the guns look drastically underpowered, if you will, or, or, you know, the handling of them looks silly. Like there's no real gravitas or weight to them. And so I don't know why that bothers me so much, but it does. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game, but I'm also really, concerned about that um detroit become human is one that i'm looking forward to i don't know if it's coming out in 2017 but it was uh something that they showed video of at the past e3 and it looked incredible um and i'm sure there's probably some other ones that the new resident evil kind of revitalization looks pretty cool um yeah, I don't know. What about you? I know you're not doing a lot of games, and yeah. you're kind of getting a little more into it. But yeah, I'm not do doing too for? many games at the moment anymore. But I know that I'm. I, I guess I'm pretty interested in in, in Justice Two, uh, to just to see what they do with that storyline. Um, I guess I, what I wanted to ask you was, I mean, yeah, I knew about the new Resident Evil uh, game, which is another game that I've uh, I've followed the franchise for quite a while. But yep. uh, I wanted to ask you, are they making another Assassin's Creed game for this year? You know, I don't know. I haven't heard any announcements about that. Um, it seems like they would, um, because I know they had taken it away from being annual titles, but I think they were going to try to go 
maybe one every couple of years, I would think. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I haven't heard anything. Oh, I will say that the new reboot of God of War uh, looks pretty incredible. I haven't really played a lot of those games, but again, that was showed off at E3 and it looked pretty awesome. Um, yeah, that's the one that has to do with his pretty. son or something, right? Something that happens to his son? Yeah, yeah, Kratos' son, yeah. Did you ever play the original Prey? No. Okay, so I I did play that uh, back on the PC, and uh, it was pretty incredible, and it's actually getting redone, and I think it might possibly make it out in, in 2017. Um, there's also one that is a zombie game that looks kind of like uh, The Last of Us a little bit called Days Gone. Uh, that actually looks pretty cool just because of the sheer amount of, of zombies that they're you know, kind of rendering on screen looks pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, you, so Injustice, so you've got Injustice, you've got Resident Evil. Uh, what about, are they making a new, um, uh, what's the game called? Uh, a new Batman game, a new Arkham game for this year. Oh, are they? Yeah, are they? I'm asking you. I don't know. I'm that, that I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything about that. I do know in terms of comic book ones, um, the new Spider-Man game is supposed to be coming out potentially in 2017. And that actually looks pretty cool. Oh, have you seen yeah. that? Yeah, I think I have. And it is, do you know if it's like returning to like the open sandbox kind of version of that game? Like when they came out, when the movies came out, the, the Sam Raimi movies, I believe it's kind of supposed to, um, but uh, I, I think it's a, uh, you know, also, a completely different storyline, you know, and a different, a completely different Spider-Man too, I think as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I didn't think it was going to be a continuation, but I just wondering if it's going to be in the same style. I, I believe it, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, some other ones. I, again, I don't know if any of these are coming out in 2017, but the last of us two looks awesome. Uh, Hideo Kojima's new uh, game, uh, Death Stranding, looks incredible. And then, you know, Rockstar announced um, a game that I'm pretty excited for. Again, don't know if it's 2017, but um, Red Dead Redemption 2, which I don't know if you ever played the first one, but it was an awesome game. Uh, you know, I did play the first one, I think, uh, because you got me to play it. So I was, I am interested in seeing what, what that, uh, what Red Dead Redemption 2 is. Now, I think I've asked you this before. Is So does that make that, like, the third game in the series? Because isn't Red Dead Revolver part, like, part of that series? Uh, you know, I, 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 yes, it technically is the third Red Dead game. Um, I'm n I don't exactly recall the distinction between Red Dead Revolver and then Red Dead Redemption, like or why they're not you know Red Dead Revolver, Red Dead Revolver Two. I like I'm not I don't recall exactly what happened there because I actually came into the franchise more with uh, Red Dead Redemption, so that was like with John Marston and and you know, that storylines. I don't know. Maybe the storylines follow a different character or something in red dead, uh, revolver. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. I don't know why my phone just went off. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, one thing that, uh, geez. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw it earlier, but 
they announced uh, that they have a writing team for the Green Lantern Corps movie, and uh, I, I guess this is something that I wanted to really get in get get into you real quick. I mean, just as we're wrapping up, but uh, it's going to be the writing team mm-hmm. for it is going to be um, Justin Rhodes and David Goyer. Now, I'm I don't know about Justin mm-hmm. Rhodes all that much, but the internet seems to be going crazy with the hatred for David Goyer and I don't know why. Like I personally think that he's a good writer in this for these type of movies. Like I know that he also did like man parts he did Man of Steel and he did I'm I'm guessing he probably did had involvement in Batman v Superman, but he also did the you know, he was half the writing uh team for the Nolan Batman movies and he did all the Blade movies mm-hmm. which I enjoyed. So I really find it funny that people are, are just, you know, hating on him right now. Yeah, I I I agree with you. I I mean, he's done a lot of a lot of different things in in both film and television and uh honestly, I think he even did some video game writing too. I think he was a writer or the lead writer on Call of Duty Black Ops, I think. Um and maybe even Black Ops Two. I, I don't know. I know he was definitely involved in in one of those. But um, yeah, I, I'm not sure to be honest with you. Maybe it's just because of of you know Batman v Superman and and Man of Steel. Probably. Um, I mean, you know, yeah. No, I get it. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I get that, and I, I think that's unfortunate because I, I I do think that he has a good grasp on the comic book movie in general. Well, yeah, and I mean, didn't he also work on um, Constantine? Like when they redid that as a as a show, did, wasn't he a, a writer on that? Uh, you know, if anything, he might have been a producer on it, but I don't know if he was a writer. Yeah, I don't remember. And then has he done any? He did. I think he also did uh, some of Gotham Knight too, the the new Batman game. I think I remember him doing that. And then. Uh, uh, he did one of the crows too, right? With uh, City of Angels, yeah. Uh, he wrote that as well, which I I thought was good. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I think if you look at any anybody um, in the film industry, you know, you've got some ups and downs, and you know how much of it's him and how much of it's you know other input and studios and and things like that. Like, but yeah, I I, I certainly don't think it's fair to kind of you know crap all over him because of the last couple of things that he's done. Cause I think he has done some pretty awesome stuff to be, you know, fair. Yeah, no. Uh, all right. Yeah. So I think that's going to wrap it up for the night. And, uh, if anybody, any of our listeners want to get a hold of me on Twitter, I am personally on there as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Richard is also on Twitter as, uh, Ry Cohen, uh, R I C O W N. And you can get a hold of all of Geek Elite Radio on Twitter at Geek Elite Radio. Go to our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio. Be a part of our community. Uh, join in on the conversation. See what everybody else has to say. We're, you know, we're on there all the time having conversations about what uh, the new pop culture stuff that's coming out. Everything that you like to geek out about. All your different fandoms. So uh, come join us. Um, then go to our web website, geekeliteradio.com. And uh, check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network. But uh, until next time, this has been the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geekly Radio Network saying always remember to 
Geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.